We are live on YouTube, Rumble, Twitter, and we will be live here shortly on Rockfin when that little red go live button is clickable. And I click it. Hope everybody is doing well on this. There it is right there. Now live across all platforms. Let's dive in. Biden gives Kelsey our money, a cyber attack that should not be ignored, and a World Economic Forum coupling that is vomit-inducing. This is Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Going to do this quick live show for in the morning for those who are the early birds on the East Coast, late at night for those who are the party animals on the West Coast. I hope everybody had a wonderful Valentine's Day. It did fall on hump day this year, so I, I guess that fits. Hopefully, Cupid stuck you all where you wanted to be sticked. Let's dive into some news. With it being the day after Valentine's Day, I figure we ought to start with a story about a new power couple that's on the scene. You might have heard about them. It's not Taylor and Travis. I'm talking about the new power couple of 47-year-old Uma Abedin and her, her new man, 38-year-old Alex Soros, who is, of course, the son of beloved George Soros, who Papa Soros gave control over his $25 billion empire to last year, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say ever since Alex has been in charge of that, that it's probably helped out his dating life. Just to guess, Uma Abedin, you might recall, became a household name as one of Hillary Clinton's longtime aides. Very, very close aides. An aide with benefits, if you will. She's also well known for her relationship with world-class creep Anthony Weiner. And she's a little bit less known for her 2022 relationship with actor Bradley Cooper, which I find to be a little bit strange. Anyway, Alex revealed the new relationship with Aberdeen on Instagram in a post yesterday, Valentine's Day. In the post, hold on a second, I lost my place there. Excuse me. My computer screen froze there for a second. So he put the post on Instagram yesterday, and in the post, it showed Alex sitting alongside of Uma in a restaurant in Paris, and he had his arm kind of wrapped around her, wrapped around her waist, really. Not her her W-A-I-S-T, not her W-A-S-T-E. That's he, he, rumor has it that Uma doesn't let him wrap his arm around her W A S T E until the third date. Th that's that's what I'm guessing. Anyway, that's what's going around on Reddit. But on the table in front of them, they had roses scattered. There was unsliced bread or sliced bread. Actually, they hadn't eaten any of it yet. They had sliced it. Or the waiter did. And in front of Uma was a Valentine's Day gift box which I'm assuming inside of it was probably his foreskin or perhaps his father's foreskin. I have no idea. I don't know what kind of gifts these people give. But it's just interesting that these relationships come together. I don't know what kind of di display this is. What do you guys think? Them showing this off on Instagram. It's just kind of a weird thing. Maybe they are in love. I have no idea. 
I, I don't know what it's like. The, the rumor has it that they met on the World Economic Forum's dating site, only pegged, which according to the, the photo here, it certainly looks like after the meal that Alex got pegged plenty enough afterwards. I hope that they live a long, happy life and they get married. I just have a hard time seeing anybody dating Uma Abedin and not asking her the question that a lot of people would want to know, especially if you have the person who can answer it right in front of you, which is, did you bump clams with Hillary Clinton? Did you or did you not? It's like Uma has to be okay answering that question or she has to be with someone who suppresses the desire to know the answer for the rest of his life. That's a, that's a difficult task. It's going to create a lot of animosity, animosity, animosity with the lack of transparency. Moving on to the next story, we go from one power couple to another. And I use air quotes when I say power couple. This is a, there's a non-related football story in the news. You know, I realized I didn't show you guys this photo. I'm going to go back for a second for you guys that are watching. Because I want you to see the photo of Alex. Then I'm going to come to the story. It's early. Here you go. Wanted to show. All right, so there's that photo of them, by the way, for those who haven't seen it. There's Uma, and there's Alex, and there's the table I described and the, and the gift. Uh, Alex looks like a nerd emoji. Go look at your nerd emoji right now on Twitter or on your phone, wherever. It, it looks like Uma Abedin is on a date with the nerd emoji. That's what the dude looks like to me. Who is following Alex Soros on Instagram? I'm sure he has a ton of followers, but who is scrolling Instagram and goes, oh, Alex Soros, that's a follow. Probably Uma Abedin. And he put a little Happy Valentine's Day with a nice little font there. I mean, he spent a little bit of time on, on this Instagram post here, or maybe his father did it. Maybe he took over the company, his father took over his Instagram. Maybe this is his actual true passion, what George Soros is. He's, he's actually an Instagram artist. All right, enough of that. Okay, so as I said, from one power couple to another power couple, there's a non-football-related Travis Kelsey story in the news today, and I'm not talking about the shooting at the parade. I'm not going to go into any of that today. I haven't looked into it enough. What I'm talking about is Kelsey is the first to take advantage of – let me get this up on screen – the first to take advantage of Biden, a Biden Tax Inflation Reduction Act tax credit that enables him to produce a film off of taxpayer dollars. He, he's the first to take advantage of this. And before we go into the details of that, I do have to comment on the Super Bowl aftermath, the celebration, because I, I haven't yet, and, and it's really weighing on my mind. So as you guys know, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. They won in overtime. And then after the game, the players – they go on the field, they're celebrating, they're doing their post-game interviews with Jim Nance, I think from CBS, a sports broadcaster, as they always do. And after a bunch of normal interviews from players, from Chiefs players, very excited, Travis Kelsey walks up to Nance for his interview, and instead of answering questions like the other players did, what he does is he grabs Nance's microphone and shoves it down his throat like it were Tay-Tay's penis, and then he begins scream-singing Viva Las Vegas directly into the microphone. His rendition of the Elvis song was nothing less than ear torture for anyone who was listening. The man waged jihad on our eardrums and it didn't end there. He felt he needed a follow-up to that song. And then he began scream singing another song into the microphone, which was the Beastie Boys' Fight for Your Right, which he was only able to get to the 
first chorus of before Jim Nance's eardrums burst and blood started spewing onto Kelsey's face, which he rubbed in his face and then ran over to give Taylor Swift a big old bloody kiss after the game. The way that this dude behaved after the Super Bowl, it was in a way, I get people celebrating, but he, he was behaving in a way that we've all seen this, where we see someone doing something in public and then we go, oh my gosh, is he, I didn't know that he had a, what is he, he he's mentally handicapped, right? That is the way that the, the reaction, I think, when you watch Travis Kelsey, and I, I actually searched online, this is something people have noticed for a long time. I'm not the first to observe this, that he's got a little bit of a, uh, you know, a mental problem going on up there. Maybe he shouldn't be playing football with this mental problem. It's good that he can. Maybe he should be in a safer job like president with such a mental condition. Travis Kelsey is either severely autistic Neanderthal or he was behaving the way that he was to try to impress his girlfriend, which can sometimes cause people to behave like autistic Neanderthals. What's he doing singing after the Super Bowl? I mean, he's a football player. He sings after the Super Bowl. What does Taylor Swift do after her concert? Does she does she line up from scrimmage after the concert? What's going on here? I think this whole relationship is fake, personally. I don't know about you guys. Uh, he doesn't like white chicks. He seems to like black chicks through his past. And it, it's just a total divert. Like, he's gone the complete opposite way from what his type is. Maybe he's trying something new. But he is a white dude from Ohio who tries to talk like a brother. And I'm not talking like Eminem where it's natural because he grew up in Detroit. I'm talking like a very kind of cringy way. He's like a caricature of the white dude who tries to talk like he's black. It just, it, it reminds me of someone who you dread Travis Kelsey does. He, you dread going places with publicly because you're going to have to constantly be explaining and apologizing for his behavior to other people for whatever weird thing he does. It's like, sorry, Sorry, ma'am. Sorry, sir. It's not his fault. His mom was sweet. His dad was a real asshole. And that's why he's, you know, weird like he is. He didn't mean anything by it. He didn't mean anything by spitting on your grandmother. We're very, very sorry. He, he thought he was trying to help. He meant nothing by He's dating Taylor Swift, by the way. He spits on her all the time. It's totally normal. It's a, it's, it, it's a gesture of love from, from Travis here. I predict that this relationship will be over before the beginning of next season. Which the real reason, let's get to the real reason I want to talk about Kelsey now that I got that out of my system. Because his next career after football is already in the works. And as I mentioned, is getting an assist from none other than President Joe Biden, one mentally disabled bro helping another. It's being reported today that Travis, as I mentioned, his debut as a film producer, which I was unaware of until I saw this story, is also the first movie that is being financed using President Biden's green energy tax credits. This guy is a Super Bowl winner, Mr. Pfizer, and a champion of climate change all rolled up into one. Like anybody who has a problem making fun of Kelsey, even if you're a Chiefs fan, this dude is Mr. Pfizer. Let's not forget that. Now he's using, in the film that he is a producer on, the president's renewable energy tax credit to finance the film called My Dead Friend Zoe. The South by Southwest bound indie marks Kelsey's first foray into movies 
with him serving as an executive producer. So an executive producer, someone putting the money into a film, they're not on set telling people what to do or anything. The investors in the low budget dark comedy are the first to take advantage of the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act to finance a film. Now, here's my understanding of this. And I'm still wrapping my head around it. You guys might have a better understanding of it than me. But the Inflation Reduction Act, the way that they're able to do this, it spent billions of dollars on tax credits to encourage the development and adaption of clean energy technology. And under the provision of the law, green energy tax credits are transferable, allowing a recipient with little or no federal uh, tax liability which is they pay their taxes, it allows them to transfer the credit to someone else. So essentially this enables renewable project owners and developers to sell tax credits for cash, which simplifies the financing of clean energy projects. It's super convoluted and complex as the, the tax code is on purpose so that people who are wealthy can take advantage of it by paying tax attorneys to find the holes for them while others cannot. But an example of how one can get one of these transferable tax credits is if you make a qualified energy efficient improvement to your home, qualified under the, the uh, tax law, the Inflation Reduction Act, this may qualify you for a $3,200 tax credit, right? So, so basically, it, it sounds like you can do some sort of climate virtue signal that qualifies under the tax code, get that renewable energy tax credit and then trade that in for cash and then go fund your movie with this money, which basically sounds like a government subsidy funded by the American taxpayer. Th that's what this sounds like. A another grand con that they're running. We are funding Kelsey's new movie, except unlike him, we're not getting an, an executive producer credit on the film we get our money stolen against our will instead because him and his buddies are pretending to care about climate change. The article then goes on to say that my dead friend Zoe is a production of Radiant Media Studios, whose co-founder, co Mike Field, is an investor in green energy projects. And according to Variety, Field sold green energy tax credits to raise cash for the film. That's exactly what I was thinking he did. And they also say that while my dead friend Zoe will be the first motion picture to take advantage of a credit transfer, the concept of selling green tax credits is already common in the business world. Of course it is. Of course it is. A study released in January of 2024 found that in the first half of 2023, green energy firms sold between $7 billion and $9 billion worth of green tax credits to other companies. Between $7 billion and $9 billion of green tax credits sold to other companies. Now, why would a, a, a corporation buy a green tax, a green energy tax credit? Because President Biden's climate law gives corporations a, this is according to the Wall Street Journal, a new and lucrative opportunity. And that opportunity is to spend $910,000 to buy clean energy tax credits and thus shave $1 million off of their tax bill in the process. So they're saving 90,000 bucks, according to the example in the, in the uh, Wall Street Journal. And then it says that individual Americans should get the same deal some tax advisors say. Of course they should. They don't, but, but they should, according to some tax advisors. I, I'm guessing that those who buy these tax credits have to use them, like these corporations, 
for some sort of similar qualified way in the tax code that at least on the surface appears to be climate changey or wokey or whatever. And that in the process of doing that, that, and this is also talked about in the Wall Street Journal a little bit, it raises their ESG score or whatever they're calling it now. ESG, that term is kind of out, but they're just replacing it with something different and they're not talking about it as much. It's not that they're not trying to do it still. Still trying to do it. So doing this, so buying these green energy tax credits from somebody, some other company or some nonprofit will raise the ESG score, which will then in turn result in them getting more investor dollars from BlackRock or Vanguard for their woke bullshit. I mean, it's such a con. It's just nothing more than stealing money from the lower and middle class and giving it to the corporations in Hollywood under the guise of a transferable green energy tax. These people are cocksuckers. Funding Hollywood off of taxpayer dollars. That's So there's your Travis Kelsey Super Bowl winner right there. I mean, the guy's taking advantages of the loopholes that are there. And for some reason, he's been raised up as a figure that they would like to exploit, probably because he's kind of stupid, to be honest with you. He's a little dumb. And and dumb people who have a large following are very attractive pieces for the establishment to use to manipulate those masses whom follow that dumb person. The article then goes on to close out by saying, well, hey, this is what the actually the producer, another producer says. He says this. He says, Hollywood is risky, right? On a scale of one to 10, Hollywood is 9.5, especially in terms of independent film. This is uh, Ray Malio, who is the producer of My Dead Friend Zoe, and he runs that California-based film production studio, Radiant Media Studios. He's also a former head of affairs at Netflix, which Netflix was created by the original CEO. Co-CEO was Edward Bernays' nephew. And Edward Bernays was Freud's nephew. And if you've listened to this show, you know the whole cycle of mind control brainwashing that has led to Netflix. So this guy has a little bit of that in him. And he says that these federal tax credits take the risk down from a 9.5 to making a movie in Hollywood down to a 5. Well, of course it does. Because you're, you're, you're making the movie on taxpayer dollars. So there's no consequence. You're not losing anything. They want to fund Hollywood with your money through the Inflation Reduction Act. And then it says, though Kelsey has already said he'll be returning in 2024 and 2025 to the NFL, he's already making inroads into Hollywood, which I say if Hollywood really wants to kill itself, then put Travis Kelsey into a lot of movies, and they will do a fine job of that. Moving on to the next story. So I thought Biden, you guys heard probably, I'm sure you did about his press conference and the report that came out about his mental uh, capacity or lack thereof. And I felt like he was being thrown to the wolves during that weird press conference where he was commenting on the report that came out about him. And he was celebrating the fact that he wasn't being charged in the classified documents case while at the same time condemning the reasons that he was not being charged. It was very odd. He's just a well-meaning old man is the reason with a bad memory, 
which apparently exonerates him from all crimes committed, sounds like before and after. That's like apparently a defense now. All crimes, you can defend yourself for that. If I were a defense attorney, I'd be raising that defense for all of my clients. I'd be putting old makeup on them and saying, this is just an old, well-intended man who doesn't remember robbing that bank. And if I were a mob boss, I would be having all of the oldest dementia patients that I could find doing my bidding for me because they can't squeal on you or rat you out if they can't remember who you are. This is the reasoning that exonerated Biden, which he did not like the reasoning, but he did love the exoneration. That's his terms, exoneration, not in the report. But my initial thought was they were getting rid of Biden. They're about to replace him because. At the same time, you see the theme of King, the King Charles. He's ill. You see Kamala saying that she's ready to step in. There just seem to be a lot of stories that fit that theme of maybe Biden's going to be replaced. But then I see this story from Politico that insists that he's not going to be replaced. And the reasoning that he's not going to be replaced basically is that it's too late to replace him. The Democrats actually feel he's the only thing standing in the way between uh, you know, um, them in a Trump White House. And they also hilariously say, because they bought the propaganda, that Biden is a personally decent man with no major scandals in the White House. Really? Really? Hunter Biden? How do you separate Hunter Biden? I get that they do it. I get they compartmentalize this. They, they don't ever separate anything with Trump and his kids if that were going on. But yeah, always, no, he's not. we didn't elect Hunter. They are still able to separate him and Hunter. I mean, these people all need therapy badly, except they don't need to go to their own therapist because their own therapist will just fuel their BS. They need a really non-woke therapist. They, they all need to go to Jordan Peterson, and then they need to leave before he starts talking about foreign wars. That Maybe that's what they need to do. Actually, I would never go to Jordan Peterson for therapy, personally. I don't know who you can trust as a therapist these days. Any famous there? Well, what's the one guy who does the show? Dr. Phil, is that his name? Maybe Dr. Phil is a therapist everybody needs. Not the one they deserve, but the one that they get. Okay, back to the story. So, after reading this article, where they also, I, I didn't finish that quote that they said. Politico said that he's a personally decent man with no major scandal in the White House and that his gravest liability is his age, which may seal his fate and undo his legacy of having ousted Trump. His legacy. His legacy. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's seriously such a convolution of reality. I, I, I wish I could get a glimpse of what the history books wrote about this time period that we live in 100, 150 years from now. I mean, wouldn't that be interesting to be able to see and be able to point out the fabrications and see, and because you know, you know, the victor tells the story, whatever. It's probably going to be so far from reality, which then makes you look back at the history we've been told. And we all know that much of it has been a lie, but how close, was it even close at all? Like what, Nuggets of truth will be told amongst the lies we were clearly told. It's ridiculous. What this got me thinking was, I still think he could be replaced, but also, maybe he's just about to do the wildest shit he's ever done. Because they did just declare him, you know, not guilty of any 
future or past crime because he's a well-meaning old man who can't remember anything. That's, as I mentioned, who you want to do your bad shit, right? So maybe Biden's not going to get replaced yet. Maybe he's about to start really getting wild. One of the two. Maybe he's going to really get wild and do some really awful stuff and then get replaced. We'll find out. Moving on. Another quick story here. Did you guys know that there was a cyber attack on the Fulton County, Georgia government? I didn't realize this until a couple days ago. It's it's a cyber attack that continues to hold their government services hostage. Now, Fulton County is where the biggest Trump trial, the Fannie Willis, the election interference trial, the like the RICO one. Like this is the one that all of the the chips are, are being put on. Like this is the big one. And there's been a cyber hacking group that's been in control of the, the systems of that government for 17 days and nobody's talking about it. What kind of information do you think is in that system? I'll tell you, Trump was arrested in Fulton County. He was processed. Any fingerprints, any social security, anything else about him in that system. Not that they can steal his identity and parade around as Trump, but still, that's in there. Any of the things that Fannie Willis has uh, filed with the court that may not be uh, unsealed yet is there. I mean, there's a lot of information. You know what else is in that system? Information about the election. Which... Let me tell you what they say about this, because Fulton County hasn't actually released a statement about the cyber attack in 12 days. I'll emphasize the government of the county where a president is being charged with criminal activity for something they say he did during his administration for the first time in history. One of the biggest cases, unlike any other in history, is being held in this county. And the government of that county, their systems have been held hostage by a cyber attack group for 17 days, and nobody's talking about it. And Fulton County is also the location of where one of the most controversial, quote, election problems. And I say, election, they say election denier. There was the woman there who's a part of the case where they say she took some of the ballots. There was questions about the machines. Fulton County is uh, an explosive, explosive county when it comes to the subject of the 2020 election and the 2024 election. And it's being held hostage right now. And the media doesn't give a rat's ass about it. The last update that Fulton County gave on, full, on February 5th was this. They said, Fulton County has informed local and federal law enforcement and engaged outside experts to investigate and assist in the recovery process. It is important to note that there is no evidence or reason to believe that this incident is related to the election process or other current events. Says a spokesperson on the county government's website. On the, how do we know? How do we even know that spokesperson wasn't a hacker? Fulton County is one of the most corrupt counties in the country. It has been ever since I've lived in Georgia, in my adult life anyway. Nothing but corruption. I should believe nothing that comes out of the public officials' mouths in Fulton County. I've told my story a number of times about being wrongly arrested 
thrown into the uh, the back of an armored police vehicle for something I did not do. And I, I was a year and a half later apologized to by just Fulton County is corrupt. And yet here we're being told, don't worry about it. it has nothing to do with this cyber hack, even though they're silent on it. And I find this claim to be interesting that it has nothing to do with it because these are the same people here that have told us that it's a conspiracy theory to suggest that it's possible that voting machines were hacked in 2020, potentially, and that they could potentially be hacked in 2024. This was a conspiracy theory that only election-denying Nazis, Putin lovers, told. People who got their videos demonetized and stripped from YouTube. This is, this is what they were talking about, is simply questioning this. And now here we are being told that the entire county that says that their voting machines were never hackable Yet everything else in their government is hackable. The entire Fulton County government is hackable, except for their Dominion voting machines. That's what they would have us believe. If this is the case, why have they not implemented the technology from their Dominion voting machines into the entire system of the Fulton County government? This is absurd. And if somebody were going to hack Fulton County, where all of this consequential activity is going on and hold them ransom, which is what they're doing. This, this happens every day with these cyber, cyber attackers. Would the most profitable thing to hack and get information about not be related to the election? I mean, would that not be where the money really is? You hack in, you mess with the voting rolls, whatever. You hold it hostage. That's where you're going to make your money. In, in fact, I told Garland about this the other day when he was on the show. The Department of Homeland Security deemed the biggest threats to the 2024 election. Uh, among the threats that they said they were worried about, one of them was the potential attack on local election infrastructure, including attacks on the integrity of the voter, of the state-level voter registration, as well as the poll books. The poll books are a registry where people who they voted for is recorded and on the percept, the preparation of ballots and voting machines and the tabulation systems. So with those being the concerns, and with Fulton County's government being held hostage by cyber hackers for 17 days, it does raise a question as what can these cyber hackers do with the voting rolls? I mean, maybe Fulton County should address this. Can these hackers get in there and start registering a bunch of dead people? Can they start deregistering a bunch of people? What kind of chaos can they cause that we're not told about? Can they leave a back door? that allows them to access it closer to the election. These are the things they don't focus on because they don't want us thinking about it. While their forward-facing message is, you're a conspiracy theorist and an election denier if you dare question the security of our Dominion voting machines. And then they go on to say this about their website. The county posted a link on February 2nd to help people because of the cyber attack. And they posted a link with a list of phone numbers and email addresses to reach certain county services since they're down online, right? Well, it turns out not all of these numbers are even functional. They're not even functional, the phone numbers that they gave to help people. They, they can't even list functional phone numbers in the midst of a crisis. And we're supposed to believe that their election machines are secure and that they know what they're doing when it comes to, to securing an election. This is why there is no integrity. I almost said integrity, like this is South Park. Integrity 
in these elections because they just lie, lie, lie. And anytime somebody like Garland points out the truth and where the vulnerabilities are, they call them conspiracy theorists. The corruption is so blatant. They're cocksuckers. I mean, they're just a bunch of cocksuckers, in my opinion. I mean that in a derogatory way. Okay. Look at this. As of Tuesday, this last Tuesday, the inmate search function on the Fulton County, uh, uh, I guess Fulton County jail website, is not operating Oh, through the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. I mean, this seems like an important function, the inmate search function. Could you not go in there as a hacker and make it seem like your buddy got transferred to another prison? And then, you know, somehow he breaks out. And nobody would know he's missing. And I will point this out. Donald Trump, he was technically, I guess, an inmate for like a day. Unbelievable. Everybody focuses on Fannie. Uh, yeah, Fannie Willis is corrupt, but what about this? I mean, what about the fact that they don't even have control over their own freaking government systems? Nobody cares. And this happens every single day, too. Every day. Look up cyber attacks just on a daily basis. There's these websites that track them. They happen every day to major corporations, and, and they just tell us that the voting systems are fine. Of course they're not fine. I, I remember the first time we had... What was it? I think it was Apple. They had the cloud. I never put my stuff on the cloud. The first time I heard about the cloud, I said, no freaking way. Because everything you put on the cloud, you, you might as well be comfortable just posting it publicly. And what happens a few years later? All of these celebrities get their nude pictures that they put on the cloud. Leaked publicly. None of this stuff has ever been secure and it never will be. Maybe this is what part of this is, is getting people normalizing the fact that no, there is no privacy anymore. Not even fighting it, perhaps. It's part of a, a larger, larger psyop. So, and I'm going to get out of here on, on this here, with a, on a bit of a, a little bit better note. There's more, you guys know who Michael Rappaport is, and this happened a few days ago. I missed it. He's a comedian. He famously hates Trump. And he has believed nearly every hoax that the news has spread. Very aggressively believed it and made videos about it, too. He was on a podcast the other day, and he admitted to something that I have actually, to, to being wrong about something, that I've actually never heard anybody admit to being wrong about. I, I've ne this is the first person I've ever heard admit to being wrong about what he admitted to being wrong about. Let me play, let me get that up on the screen for you guys. I can't remember the name of this podcast he's on. You guys probably will recognize it. If you, if you, if you believe in the Obama doctrine, all right, you know, be nice to each other, whatever. There's no way you were voting for, for Trump. It just wasn't in the cards. It wasn't happening. It was abrasive. It was racist. The media, yada, yada, yada. And he was a joke. Like as New Yorkers, like he was like yeah, a, he's know. a ball busting troll. Exactly. He's a he's a, but, he's a but shit. But here's ball. why I think you're going to vote for him this time, because you've seen what happened under his first term. You didn't like it. He's the you know he's the pig dick, and he's got the mean tweets, and he's orange. But life was good. There was no wars. The economy was going good. But damn, he's a, he's annoying to look at. But you also can acknowledge that the media had a major role in that. Uh, uh, a that, major that's role that in that. When you take a step back, yes. You also acknowledge that because I've well, also acknowledged yeah. that you know that one thing about the Charlottesville that 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 I ranted about. Yes, and I was wrong about the both sides thing. 
Yeah. yeah, and, but, so and I respect solely responsible. And I respect the shit out of Wait, let me, let me hear him out. Hang on. Yeah. Go, go, go. He just called himself irresponsible about that. Oh, a little bit more. What do you mean by that? You were wrong on that. No, because he said the, the both sides, you know, there's good people on both sides. And when you see the full quote, yeah, yeah, it, that wasn't what, what he said. And, 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 you know, I, I ranted on him hard for that. Mm -hmm. Hard. There's some video about it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I ranted hard because I was like, what are you Horse. talking about, man? Because you got played. And here's what the, re this is why I think you're going to vote for Trump. Is because you, much like me, much like many people, independent thinkers, not the sheep, realize we kind of got played a little bit. Yes. He got played. A lot of people got played. This is the PBD podcast. I can't remember the guy's name who runs it, but I have not. Have you guys heard that before? Have you heard anybody ever admit that they were wrong about that? I have friends that would never admit that they were wrong about that. I'm actually curious how they would react to this clip. This isn't about supporting Trump. This is about, for me anyway, this is about an acknowledgement that you believed and in this guy's case actively spread a lie and condemned those who, as racists, who did not just believe what you now know is a lie. A, a guy who did that admitting that he was played. And I, I wonder if that clip there, because there, there's no mistaking that this guy was totally on board with all this. He made a bunch of videos about it. I wonder if this would have any effect on like the people that I know who completely buy into it still, because they're probably not in this media bubble. Like this guy going on this show, he probably only went on this show because he started to realize that he was played, or maybe this is some other level of a psyop. Uh, I, I don't know, but for me, it is kind of refreshing to see Someone, someone admit that they were played by the Charlottesville hoax and come out and say they were wrong. He needs to be telling all of his friends, all of his liberal friends, he needs to, he needs to grow some balls because they'll give him shit, but he needs to tell them that they were wrong. It doesn't mean they have to like Trump. This is the problem with, so this guy's saying, here's why I think you're going to vote for Trump. Well, well, he goes on after that to say, because uh, the guy says in response, well, I, I'm not going to vote for Biden, but I, I, I'm, I might not vote for Trump either. So he, he says he's considering Trump, but he might not vote for either one of them, to which these guys on the podcast say to him, well, then you can't talk about it. You, you don't have room to speak. That's bullshit. Telling somebody that they cannot speak or, or have an argument about who's in charge because they didn't vote for a kick in the balls or a punch in the face, which is how a lot of people view it. It's total bullshit, and it's the oldest propaganda technique in the book to try and force people to choose between one or the other. And when you can force people and, and shame them into picking one or two, then you can try and whittle down the candidates to two control candidates. I'm not saying Trump's control. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. I don't know. I know a lot of people believe he is. I know a lot of people believe he's not. I'm just saying the principle of it, the principle of trying to shame people into voting by telling them that they, they don't have a fucking say. It's your right to not vote. And the only way, honestly, to truly take away all of their power is for not a fucking person to vote. It's for no one to vote to invalidate their system. And that would never happen. Vote at the local levels, but you absolutely have a right to not vote.
I didn't even play that part in the clip, but that's what they're about to go into. But going back to what I was saying a moment ago, what's up, Harem? Harem says, what's good word, Binkley? This guy's an agent. Agent got him to say, let's get ahead of this. Yeah, something's going on with it. You're right. Maybe they're anticipating Trump's going to win and they're trying to get some sort of favor to him. Uh, either way, I, I wonder if this is going to have any influence. Are we going to see a trickle-down effect? Are they're going to, is he the, uh, the, what's it called in the coal mine? I don't know. The, the grit is the, whatever in the coal mine, my mind is going blank, but the canary in the coal mine, is he the canary in the coal mine for people who are about to start, uh, admitting they're wrong? I don't even think that was a good, a good ref use of canary in the coal mine, but you get the point. So, what what will happen, because I've seen this happen before, is people will slowly start to recognize they were wrong about things, but then they will still think they were right about things. They they will like forget that they were wrong about them almost. I I had friends who <laughs> progressive friends, Canary, thank you, Aaron, <laughs> who I told about Jeffrey Epstein in 2016. I showed them court documents. I, of course, they didn't read them all. That was my mistake at the time, just sending them hundreds of pages of court documents. They already had their mind made up. They, they would defend, not defend Jeffrey Epstein. What they would do was they would say that the Clintons had nothing to do with Jeffrey Epstein. And, that, uh, and I was also researching Trump with Epstein at the time, but I was talking to them about the Clintons. And I, I would tell them how the court documents said that Jeffrey Epstein was part of the group that created the Clinton Global Initiative. That's actually why he got that sweetheart deal. That's part of why, because of his friendship and relationship with the Clintons and the founding of that. And my friend's response, instead of looking at the court documents, what my friend did was he goes to the Clinton Global Initiative website, and then he comes back to me and he says, I don't see his name on the founding, the founder's page. I'm like, oh, you think they would keep his name up there? What about in this court document? What about in this court document that gives him a sweetheart deal? You're looking at a website. And then fast forward years later, all of a sudden, my friend is all about talking about Epstein, it's, except he's just pinning it all on Trump. It's these weird ways that they, they flip narratives so that they can blame whoever they, they want to smear or whatever during, during that point in time in the story they're trying to tell. And... I, my friend, I guarantee it doesn't even remember me pointing that out. And I have a feeling that we're going to start having some of these truths revealed and it's going to be in a way where it's not even focused on and where people never have to face cognitive dissonance, really face cognitive dissonance. It, it's, it sounds like this guy might have. But as long as they can keep people away from cognitive dissonance, the media and, and politicians, then they can keep them kind of under their thumb. It's the cognitive dissonance that causes people to distrust the people they should be distrusting. Because that's when that reality that's been pumped into your head, the brainwashing is broken. And so if they can switch the realities without breaking the brainwashing, then they can still exert power and control over. Maybe that's what this is part of. I, I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense. It did in my mind. But I'm going to get out of here. I did want to do a quick thing this morning. Because there's been a lot going on this week. And I want to talk about it a little bit. Thanks for hanging out, guys, in the chats. And 
If you guys want to get access to this on without ad free, then you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. You can, you can subscribe there. I put all of the shows up there ad free. And I also do extra content a couple of times a week that you also will get access to at patreon.com slash propaganda report. And if you do not want to subscribe today, what you can do to help out the show and help us out is let the ads play through because we don't get anything if the ads don't play in the Patreon and the ads are how we support the show and keep everything going. So I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys watching and we'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your Thursday.